Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Zach, we're full into spring, coming off of spring break. How was your spring break? Oh, it was great. We went away, uh, visited my family in the Chattanooga area. We got to do some hiking. We got to do some um, just exploring, do all the touristy stuff. The kids loved it, though. They they had a lot of fun um, doing that. We don't get to hike a lot. so Nice. Um, it was good. Good to get away for a little bit, spend time with my parents and my brother and his family. So, uh, yeah, how about, how about yours? How was spring break for you? Uh, it's fine. Just watched the Masters, stayed in town, and worked on our house that we're moving into, hopefully in the next five to six weeks so yeah really that's exciting exciting but uh very labor intensive <laughs> yeah yeah how, moving houses especially when you're doing renovations is uh is not fun but I, i'm i'm confident you'll appreciate it when it's all done oh yeah yeah so well that's great i'm glad you enjoyed your spring break yeah um do we got a good show or what are you thinking no nah, i think we'll just not talk about <laughs> anything today okay. um, so just going back you know thinking about spring break over the years what was kind of your favorite spring break experience um, my favorite spring break experience. I mean, probably you know when you're when you're a kid, you know, you, you it, it feels like an eternity that you're away from school. So I'd say one of those going to the beach or something with family. Uh, we were, sometimes were able to bring a friend with. That was always fun. Um, nice. Yeah, spring break now is basically. Uh, I saw this somewhere. It's like parents who go on vacations are just parenting in a different city, <laughs> and uh, it's you know it's it's fun, but it's uh, you don't have your routines and your rhythms, and it's it's more difficult in some regard. But it's good to get away. The kids really appreciate it. So anyway, probably some sort of beach trip when I was younger. Nice. nice. How about you? Uh, my biggest memory, you know, we had spring break during Masters, obviously being in this area. I would go to the Masters every year, like practice round, a few times to the real tournament as a kid. And every year went to that. And that was just such a joy. Uh, just love going there. Love yeah. uh, seeing the tournament. But my grandparents always came into town too oh, that's for great. that that's week. Exciting. And so it was just great. Um Played golf, just watching golf. Yeah, I, I wanted to go to the Masters so bad this year, but I just couldn't find tickets. I actually looked up Wednesday. I tried to go. I wanted to go to the practice round and go to part three and looked up uh, tickets on the aftermarket, and they were like $3,000 a piece. For a practice round? Yeah, it's wow. just ridiculous. What are they for, um, like for a, an actual, the, the actual tournament? I've heard like, I think I've heard 150 I swear that's what I heard. I haven't seen it. I mean, it's just it's just crazy what that's become because when I was growing up, you know, I went to numerous par three tournaments as a kid and it was just always had a ticket. So it's kind of, it's great. We love uh, love the tournament. It's a great time, but it's hard, man, that I can't, you yeah. know, I wanted to go so bad this year and, you know, just couldn't couldn't find a ticket. So it's just what it is. It's the, the golf tournament. So anywho, um, yeah, we got a great show today for everybody coming off, off spring break, going into the, now I guess we're heading towards the summer. Um, we're going to be talking about what retirement looks like in the United States. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, just some data points of just, hey, how do people spend their money? How do they save? Uh, really interesting facts in there. Yeah, and then we're going to look at, um, you know, coming off fresh off uh, tax deadline. Um, many people got yeah. returns. You know, the, the question is, what do I do with my tax it's refund? Always if you, if you, a great question. You got a tax refund, which, you know, we'll, we'll get into it. It seems like they're was a lot given out in tax refunds, but yeah, what to do with that? Where, where should you prioritize your allocation of those funds? And um, 
Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah, we'll discuss that. A lot of people view that as like a bonus, or it catches them off guard. It, it's good to right. kind of plan for that. That's um, right. So yeah, some interesting topics. We'll get into that shortly. But yeah, by the way, my name is Ryan Borders. I'm a certified financial planner, and I am one of the advisors here at Richard Young Associates. And my name is Zach Albanese. I am a certified financial planner as well of recent. Recently, and yeah, uh, yeah I'm an advisor here. Been been here a little over two years. Been in the industry um, almost four. So. Yeah, and we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. We are exclusively every week and up on Friday afternoons, so that's when we post these shows. Uh, so you can find our show up on our website through moneymd.net. You can also look at iTunes. You can look at Spotify, all the different streaming services, and listen to us uh, anywhere in the world. And golly, we have a lot of episodes up there, so if you even want to go back and listen to old episodes, we I think we're getting close. Are we at 500? Yeah, we're getting close to that. Yeah, pretty uh, remarkable. Yeah, and then also check out uh, check us out on moneymd.net where you can link and ask us questions. That's the main thing. You can go in there and actually submit a question for the show, and we'll actually answer it on the show. But mm-hmm. let's go ahead and get started with the financial fact of the week. What is it? What's the fact? <laughs> oh, this is an interesting one. Um, so, dis- so Zach, despite advice to the contrary from every personal uh, you know finance guru out there, most people don't actually ask for more money when they're offered a job. Most people just take it. So hmm. 58% of men and 61% of women said they didn't uh, ask for more um, money when they were when they were hired. They just took whatever was offered to them. Wow, yeah. Uh, so this is from Pew Research Center. Um, but even if they do, there's some interesting facts. Um, if they do ask for more money, women are less likely to get it uh, than men are. And so of that... Uh, you know, of that, that did negotiate. 38% of women said they were only given the original offer compared to 31% of men. So I guess the big takeaway from that is you, you should always at least try, you know, ask. And, and, yeah, and right. uh, the main thing is giving a good compelling case, you know, saying, you know, why you're worth, why you're worth what you think you are. And uh, just most people don't ask. And also I've, I just know other clients and friends, they don't ask for raises. They don't ask, you know, typically they just kind of write it out. Um, it might be worth, doing that, see if you can actually get a little bit more, because I've yeah, had some clients that that have, and they've gotten significant raises. Yeah, and even a little bit will you know make a big difference uh, to your budget or to um, yeah, your savings goals or paying off debt, stuff like that. So yeah, it's worth a try. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I think especially if you've got a good relationship um, with your employer and your, your boss. So Yeah, absolutely. So good. let's go ahead and dive into the first article. So here's what retirement looks like in America, Zach. Um, so this is from 401ks to healthcare, a look at how Americans are really spending their time and their money in retirement. So we got this from uh, the Wall Street Journal. And so it's a really interesting read. Uh, we're going to kind of point out a lot of the highlights. We're going to talk about some of the topics. But, you know, Americans spend decades saving up for retirement, you know, never quite sure. And they don't never quite sure know how much is enough. You know, that's the question we always get. One reason we're in business here is we help <laughs> Clients figure that out. That's right. You know, some aim to build nest eggs, you know, of a million, two million, or even more, though the majority of people have far less than that, you know, to work with. The recent bout of high inflation, market turmoil, you know, especially last year, have added more anxiety, the challenge of making, you know, that money last, you know, to benchmark your retirement plans, include, including your savings and spending and how much you spend your time. One place to start is by looking at how. Uh, your numbers stack up against, you know, just Americans overall. So we're going to look at a few snapshots, a few points of this today. And the first one we're going to go into, Zach, is retirement savings. Mm -hmm. 
So the biggest source of retirement income for many Americans is the nest egg buildup during their careers. So what we're talking about here is, you know, retirement accounts like your 401ks and your IRAs. Yeah, you know, total household balances in retirement type accounts for those who are 65 and up are 407,581 to be specific uh, on, on average. And so according to an analysis by um, the nonprofit Employee Benefit Research Institute, based on this is 2019 data, at the higher end, 11.6% have balances of 1 million or more and 5.7% have balances of uh, between 700 thousand and nine hundred ninety nine thousand um, according to the uh, employee benefit research institute and looking also to uh, social security benefits social security provides the other major source of income for many retirees for 12 percent of men and for 15 percent of women social security comprises 90 percent or more of one's retirement income which is very interesting wow Nearly 90% of Americans ages 65 and older receive Social Security benefits as of the end of 2022, according to Social Security Administration. The program allows people to start their retirement benefits anytime between ages 62 and 70, and it increases um, every month uh, of it delays. So even though you've got this full retirement age number, you can really take it anytime in between those two ages. But um, yeah, the longer you delay, the more it will increase. Uh, which is a good thing yeah. to know. And, you know, the average benefit currently is about $1,800 a month. That's up 8.7% from last year, but the benefit amount ra- ranges widely. So, you know, so we see the range from about 3600 a month for someone retiring at full retirement age, you know, this year. Um, and then uh, the program calculates benefits using workers' highest 35 years of earnings and adjusted account, adjusted to account for average wage inflation. Um, so, Wide range there with Social Security. Uh, pretty interesting data, especially you know ninety that ninety percent number. Um, you know that was interesting how many people really rely on it. Um, the next is healthcare expenses, which we talk about a lot here. You know, yep. retirees generally generally you know are going to spend less on clothing, food, and housing as they age, but their healthcare costs, not surprising, you know, does tend to rise as we get older. So households headed by people 65 or older spend on average about 7000 a year on health care, according wow. to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. That's, that's a decent amount. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that breaks down to about 5000 of it on health insurance, such as supplemental Medicare uh, plans, and about 1000 of that on you know, medical services, including eye and dental care, and around 700 on drugs, such as prescriptions, non-prescription drugs, vitamins, and about, you know, two, 250 in medical supplies. It's kind of the overall breakdown on average. So yeah, healthcare is expensive and you want to make sure you plan for that as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so you've got, you know, so many imagine that their retirement, um, you know, they'll, they'll travel, they'll pursue more interest if they didn't have time for it during their careers. So retirement yeah. is a, is a new, Kind of a new stage of life where time is more free, but yeah, you know, you you got to learn how to fill that time. So it it play it pays to lay the groundwork for such activities years before retirement. So on average, Americans age sixty five and older spent more time watching television in twenty twenty one than was the case a decade ago. Wow. They also spent more time relaxing and engaging in leisure activities, uh, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Um, older adults spent less time socializing volunteering and attending religious services in 2021 compared 
to 10 years earlier in 2011. That's interesting. Ew, yeah, that's yeah, how we spend our time is uh, is interesting, especially, but it doesn't surprise me that the watching TV more, I feel like, yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like I get shows that are recommended to me and I'm like, I just add my long list and yep. I, you know, I've decided that I'm just never going to get to certain things because that's the <laughs> time for it. So maybe when I retire, I'll be one of these statistics. That's a good thing to think through though. I mean, just making sure we're spending our time wisely because yeah, TV can really suck a lot of time away. Um, oh yeah. yeah. And so there's other things to look towards. Um, so yeah, that that's really interesting data there. Uh, so that was kind of like what an average day in retirement looks like. The final thing is net worth. So Americans' net worths tend to climb with age until retirement. People spend their high-earning years accumulating assets, including a home, you know, building up retirement savings. Um, you know, net worth tends to peak around the time many people start spending down their assets in retirement. So if we look at people from 65 to 74, you know, they have a median net worth of about 266,000 on average net worth. Um, uh, and an or they have a net worth of two hundred sixty six thousand and an average net worth of one point two million according to the Federal Reserve. Um, so people seventy five and older have a medium net worth of around two hundred fifty thousand on average, um, and a net worth of nine hundred seventy seven thousand. Um, so that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just kind of some interesting data on what retirement looks like in America right now. Obviously, a lot has changed in the last couple of years. Um, so that's why it's important to continue to plan and to revisit your plan every year to make sure you're on track. So when things like inflation happen or we do have some market volatility, you can make sure you're ready to go and you kind of have a good, you know, vision, you know, the map to get to where we're going so we can go through retirement and afford what we want to afford. Um, so yeah, very important stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was a good, um, yeah, good snapshot of what retirement actually looks like in America using some good statistics. So Thank you, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, the next, that brings us to the question of the week. So this is a pretty good question because we've heard, I've heard this recently and I know you mentioned you've heard this. Yeah. So the question that was submitted is, hey, what's the difference between a money market fund and a high yield savings account? Yeah, this is a good question because especially with interest rates higher, you can earn more money on your savings, especially your savings that you tend to need for the short term Maybe you're saving up for a car, maybe your emergency fund, and you want to put it in the best possible place where it's liquid and easily accessible. Yeah. And we've seen, you know, savings accounts increase in percentage, uh, two, three, some places four percent. But then there's also this thing called a money market fund, and they typically have a higher yield because they're tracking the interest rates as they're going up. It's automatic. Sometimes savings accounts can. Um, you know, it's really determined by the bank. And so a bank doesn't need to increase their rate. Uh, they can, but it's not automatic like it is in a money market fund. But the catch is a money market fund has a little bit more legwork to uh, do. You, you can't just treat it like cash. If you want money, you do need to sell part of the fund. But if you link it to your bank account, it's really easy. You, you sell what you need, you transfer it. It's, it's pretty simple. But uh, with a savings account, you can almost, it, it is like cash. You don't have that extra step that might be cumbersome for others. So really the question is when you're considering these two, what are the rates? I think that's important. And is the rate difference uh, worth you taking that extra step to sell and transfer funds? But um, that, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you have any other things to add to that, but that was basically a difference that I could yeah, think I, about. I think you explained it really well. I, I put my savings in money market 
Um, that's mm-hmm. what I choose to do. Um, but you know, they're both good, especially now, you know, we had years where they were, you know, yeah, nothing, nothing. Right. So we're finally actually, you know, so I meet with a lot of people that still have like cash and a checking or savings account, um, that not the high yield one and they're just missing out on just growth. And so you just want to make sure you do that with your emergency fund, with the extra cash, if you're saving up for a short term goal, like a house renovation or, or down payment for a house, yep. money market, high yield savings, great option for you. Yeah. Yeah, great, great question. Um, so the next topic we're going over is, hey, now that tax season is over, unless you follow that extension, um, what do I do with my tax refund? Yeah, this is a good piece from Ramsey. Uh, you know, it, last year, this is an interesting statistic. Last year, the IRS sent out more than three hundred forty-five billion dollars in tax refunds. Wow. With the average refund clocking in at about thirty-two hundred dollars, and so with that kind of money suddenly back in your hands, it would be so easy to you know blow it all in one place. But what we want to talk about now is what what are some strategic things you can do with your tax refund? Uh, maybe you pay off debt. Maybe you add it to your savings. Maybe you do got some big expenses on the horizon or you're looking forward to a trip that you want to save it toward. Um, but the point is your tax refund, which is really simply the government returning money that you should have had all along, could help you make some real progress on some of your money goals. So if you do wind up you know, with a hefty tax refund this year, what should you do with your refund? Um, and really, it depends on where you're at in your financial journey. But we want to give you a few ideas to help you get started. Yeah. So the first one we're going to go over is, hey, pay off your debt faster with that refund. That's a great idea. So about a third of folks you know, plan to use at least part of their tax refund to pay off debt, according to a survey by the National Retail Foundation. But we ran some numbers, uh, Ramsey ran some numbers uh, to find out what would happen if you got you know, intense and used your entire refund to pay down your debt. Uh, you might be surprised by how many, how much you could actually save in interest and payments with one simple step. That's right. So let's first look at um, student loans. The average student loan balance is nearly thirty-seven thousand dollars. So let's say your balance is thirty-seven thousand, six percent interest rate, ten-year loan with a monthly payment of four hundred and ten dollars, and you shell out uh, about forty-nine thousand three hundred dollars in principal and interest uh, over over time. But let's say you put your $3,200 tax refund toward that balance. And if you use you know, any student loan calculator, you'll see that you can pay off your loan a year earlier and save more than $2,400 in interest. So paying off your, putting that tax refund toward your loan now will ultimately save you money in the long term. And yeah, you can look at whether you go to Ramsey's site to see a student loan or any loan payoff calculator, um, or just you know, simple math can show you that paying any extra toward the principal will lessen the time of the loan. So let's take things a step further though. Getting a $3,200 tax refund doesn't mean you hit the jackpot. Really, it simply means the government is just returning your money that you've been overpaying to them. Yep. Money you could have been using all year long to pay off, you know, pay extra on your debt. So your goal shouldn't be to have a tax refund um, that, you know, look forward to your tax refund. Your goal really should be to have a tax refund as close to zero as possible so you'll have more money in your paycheck. So you don't want to wait until next year to get your money back. Work with a tax advisor or your payroll department to adjust with your withholding today so you can bring home, you know, an extra 266 a month. You know, that's 3200 a year, you know, starting with your next paycheck. So that's really important. You got to get on that now. I mean, we're already in April. Um, but then you can use that money to pay a little extra each month on the remaining balance of your student loan debt. You know, with this method, you'll pay your loan off in a little over five years instead of 10 years, which is significant, and you'll save an additional 5300 in interest. 
It's a lot of money. So that's how you 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 put a tax refund to work. Here's how that same scenario can work on other debts. Yeah, you know, before we get into those other debts too, I think I think the main point is it feels nice to get a tax refund. You feel yeah. like it's a bonus. But but yeah, really that money should have been yours throughout the year. Correct. And so um you know, although it's it's nice to get that refund check, we we really want to help people plan so they did, they don't get a huge one because yeah, it's better to have it throughout the year. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the other debts you mentioned, credit cards. Credit cards is another one. Households with debt currently owe about $16,700 in credit card debt. Uh, if you paid only the minimum payment, let's say if 3% of the balance, and with a 15% interest rates, although I think now they're higher than 15%, yes. yeah. it'll take you about 20 years to pay that off, which Jeez. is ridiculous. But if you chuck that $3,200 tax refund at the balance when you get your refund, Add and add uh, two hundred sixty-six dollars to your monthly payment after adjusting withholding. You'll knock that sucker out in just a few years. So even the little little amounts toward debt over time really do damage uh, in, a, in a good way to yeah. your debt. Uh, the next kind of loan is a car loan. The latest research shows that the average used car loan is almost twenty-seven thousand eight hundred dollars at a ten percent interest rate. You know, most people finance their cars for five years although the average term is creeping towards six. With your one-time $3,200 payment, followed by your increased monthly payments of $266, you know, you could, you'll pay off your car almost three times sooner and save more than $5,100 in interest. Wow. So, you know, just making these decisions uh, when it comes to your credit cards, your car loan, is, it, it really just pays off in the long term. And, yeah. and so anyway... Yeah, it's just wise. I mean, at the end of the day, this interest is just taking away money that you could use, um, you know, for your goals. Uh, so the final one would be, hey, what about a home loan? You know, as home prices continue to rise around the country, the average mortgage balance now sits around two hundred thirty-six thousand dollars, and that number keeps going up. So let's assume you have a fifteen-year mortgage with a five percent interest rate. That would be nice these days. Um, yeah, yeah. Using your mortgage payoff calculator, you could find one online. Uh, you could see that with your tax refund and increased monthly payment of $266, now that you've adjusted that withholding, you'll pay off your home nearly three years earlier and save more than uh, just shy of 19000 in interest. So, I mean, that's that's pretty significant, Zach. Yeah, I mean, I would like to save, you know, $19,000. Yeah, that's... Um, just by being prudent and plan well. Yeah. Um, the next thing, so paying off debt was one, I think that's probably the biggest, it's a good, wise thing to do. The next thing is using your tax refund to save for emergencies. So here's, you know, here's a fact that should be a wake-up call for everybody. Nearly one-third of Americans, 32%, would not be able to cover a $400 emergency today. Jeez. That is a huge problem. Yes. And it's probably why half of Americans plan to put part of their tax refunds in, into savings last year. So you know, here's the deal. You, you need to have a three- to six-month emergency fund. Um, you know, and then making sure earlier than that you have a starter emergency fund of a thousand dollars to help protect you financially from anything life throws your way. And there's always something. I always joke, you know, and say not joke, but pretend that oh, you know, I've planned well. There's nothing that's going to come up. Every year there's something that comes up, yeah. whether it's a broken air conditioner, whether it's you know even just um, just extra expenses that you did not plan for. They'll, yeah. they'll come up and it just ruins your situation. But if you do have that emergency fund, three to six months, you at least have a space Correct. to take from and then you replenish that. So if you don't have enough money in the bank to cover 
something like a tire replacement. Oh, that's the thing. Yeah, my tire when we were in Chattanooga just blew out. Really? And yeah, and thankfully, um, my parent. We were going to hiking a different trail. My parents were right in front of me, so it was good, and we were able to, you know, put the donut wheel on and go get a new tire. But yeah, they weren't able to repair it, so two hundred dollars that I had to spend yeah. on a tire right then and there. And I just put new tires in my other car, so I just spent, you know, eight hundred whatever dollars in my other car. So exactly, and that was the other one was planned for, but not this one. And obviously, you need a tire on your car. Yes. Um. So, you know, so if you don't have that to cover a tire replacement, you know, your tax refund can give your emergency fund a much needed boost, and that's a way, uh, you know, of being more responsible. Um, than just spending it all on uh, late night shopping or seeing it as a bonus that doesn't that doesn't count toward your uh, overall financial picture. Absolutely, life always happens, and every year yep. something happens, and so it's just it's just wise to have that in place. Really helpful, very important. Uh, the third is, hey, invest more for retirement with your tax refund. There's a good one. Uh, as long yep. as you have a thousand in your starter emergency fund, you should use your tax refund to pay down your debt. But if you're out of debt, you have that emergency fund set up. Um, then you start thinking about maybe adding more to retirement or adding to an investment account. Um, so if we look at just a calculation real quick with an initial investment of your $3,200 tax refund, followed by monthly contributions of that $266 uh, you gained after adjusting your withholding, you could add nearly $831,000 to your nest egg over 30 years. Um, This is according to Ramsey's calculator. So that's just $95,760 of contributions, uh, but more than $732,000 of growth. This is a simple way to catch up on um, feeling behind and your, your retirement goals. So always saving, letting compound interest work for you. Obviously, there's all kinds of can, things about markets and where you are and that can adjust that. That's probably um, a little generous, but uh, yeah, right. yeah, you can let <laughs> Uh, according to Ramsey, yeah, we put it to work. So it's a good idea. Yeah, you know, I think overall, if you find yourself in a situation where you got a big refund, uh, we'd love to sit down with you and look at your picture. We, you know, whether we look at your tax return and see maybe you're um, withholding too much um, and you could be getting more money throughout the year, or maybe, or maybe it was just an off year and you're not going to get a huge return every year, and, and that's fine. But we want to make sure your picture is set up so that you're getting the least back as possible at tax return time, especially not owing. Nobody wants to owe during, um, you know, during tax season. And so we'd love to sit down with you. We, we love to refer you to some tax pros that we know if your situation is more complex. Um, anyway, it's a, it's a huge part of financial planning and, um, we love talking about this with with each other and with our with our clients. So absolutely, and we do recognize that it is difficult to adjust it properly. It, uh, oh yeah, yeah. The calculators they, are tough. That's why it's good to talk with a CPA. But even I, you know, try to get that perfect every year, and it is quite yeah. difficult. Yeah. So we, yes. we hear you. <laughs> um, so that leads us finally to the prescription of the week. Yeah. So speaking of refunds, if you did get a refund on your taxes, um, you want to change that W four. Uh, that or that estimate to an exact amount to get closer to zero, as we just suggested. Uh, you know, the IRS does have a calculator to help, you know, figure that out. You can also talk and work with a CPA to make that adjustment to that W-4 to try to get closer to zero or maybe even owing a little bit. I think I'd still rather owe a little bit rather than getting, you know, a refund. So you're using that month-to-month income for your goals. Make sure you get that adjusted. I mean, 
we're already in April, so if you got a big refund, you want to kind of jump on that to make sure you're not, you know, doing the same thing next year. Yeah, I think I think it's good, and, and the, you know, the article led right into the prescription pretty well. Um, yeah, you you want to just get your situation as tight as possible so that you're taking home as much as you can on a month to month basis, and not letting the the government borrow your money for a whole year. So, absolutely, good stuff. that's a great topic, very timely. Um, well. Thanks for being on today, Zach. That was fun. Uh, you know, this has been this week's edition of Money MD. So tune in next week uh, on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our website again, hey, MoneyMD.net. Send us your questions or give us a call at Richard Young Associates. It's 706 739 Thanks for listening and have a great rest of the week. Yeah, have a good one. This program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.